Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem I'm gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street. Your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst. It's a draft act NBA draft show. My name is Corey Tullibin. I'm here as always with my co-host Albert Garbage Time and Albert. What's cracking, dude? Everything is cracking. Um, <laughs> is that the proper answer? Um, no, all is good. Really good to be back. Really excited to be recording today. It's not every day that we get to have a special guest join us for a pod, so it feels great. And um, I'm going to stop talking and let uh, let you introduce our special guest today. Yeah, we do have a, a very special guest. We have uh, Sports Illustrated's Jeremy Wu in the house to go over... Um, what some people on the internet have called the worst mock draft they'd ever seen. Is that, is that correct, Jeremy? Yeah, that's, that's what we're, we're tracking as these days, which is cool. It's fine with me. <laughs> Where it's all jokes you know, here. It's, um, it's thank you so opinion. much for, yeah. Yeah. Thank, thanks so much for hopping on the show just to, to talk um, some NBA drafts and prospect stuff with, with us clowns. Um, I guess, you know, we should probably just get right into it. Uh, you, you know, went chalk one, two, Scoot and, and Victor wanted to. Feels like uh, we don't have to go over too much discourse about those guys. But I think where your mock draft has really converged from a lot of other mocks out there, rankings and whatnot, is that, you know, right away you get Anthony Black at number three. Mm. So, you know, when you're doing your mock, you know, you put in there, it's a, a bit of mix of your own personal scouting and then a lot of intel. Ant Black at three, is this is this an uh, an intel play or is this something that you've just seen as a guy who, you know, six, seven with passing feel and is kind of fitting the direction that, you know, the, the league has trended towards? Yeah, um, well, let me say this. Like, I, I think one, it's January. Uh, so all we're all just kind of, you know, like there's only so much we know, uh, even though we think we know things from watching the games. Um, but this time of year, we don't know that much still. And I think, you know, when I do this mock, um, it's like, yeah, you know, I obviously would love to get everything right, but I know that I'm not going to in January. Uh, and so part of what I try to do is like challenge some of the ideas that are out there uh, when I'm doing it. Um, so I, I would say everything I do has some intel behind it. Like, uh, without getting like too deep into like the what behind that, it's like, uh, you know, I know that he is somebody who is in the conversation that high. Um, I just thought it'd be interesting because um, if you 
and again, the mock takes in fit, and there's the team picking was Houston. Uh, and I just saw them play when they were in Chicago last month. And they do not need people to shoot the ball more. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I just I, t- I took those things into account. But again, like I- I'm not saying Anthony Black is going to get picked third, but there are people who have him ranked third, and there are people who are talking about him that high in the draft. Uh, so I was just trying to sort of, you know, make a, make a point and sort of do something interesting there. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. I might have him there. I haven't decided, but but I, I think I think the the case for him being that high is pretty real. Um, I think it's really where the draft starts is three, which is, I guess, kind of obvious. But like we can say it. I mean, um, you know, we know who the first two picks are going to be unless something crazy happens. Uh, and yeah, I mean, everyone has a different opinion on this. Like anyone you ask is going to have a different opinion uh, around the NBA. So uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, and it's going to depend on which team is picking there. But I, I really do think um, think Black is really interesting. Uh, just just if you look at sort of the mold of guys who have succeeded uh, in terms of like just being oversized field guys who are just so good at like being in the right place. And I think, I think he has a lot of untapped upside too, because he's, he's really big. He's going to get stronger. He's a good athlete. He might be, he might get more athletic once he really has time yeah. to, to build that. Cause he, he sort of was a later, a later blooming prospect. I, I tend to like guys like that. Um, and like, yeah, his shot's not great, but like, if you look at the, the guys we're talking about, uh, you know, most of these guys are not, it's not a great shooting lottery. You know, I mean, Miller's a good shooter, obviously. Uh, you know, Whitmore's a pretty good shooter, but like, you know, it's not like, it's not like the Thompsons are better shooters than Anthony Black. So I, I think it's all, you know, up for debate. I think that, you know, it is completely fair. And I, if you think back to this time last year, like Dyson Daniels wasn't really considered necessarily a guy who was going to go in the range that he went to. And I'm sure by the end of that process, a lot of people probably had him up closer into that, like, four or five range, you know, even in the, the back half of the top 10 for a lot of the same reasons. And, and, you know, he's, he's really interesting, right? Because you, you talk about, yeah, he's not really a great shooter, but his form is completely workable. Yeah. You know, an NBA team, if I'm looking at that, I'm like, one, he's, he's hitting shots at a, a decent enough clip and, you know, maybe he's not hitting like a ton of step back off the bounce threes. So you can project him as like a number one option. But like you said, like in this context with Houston, they have more than enough guys in that starting lineup and they got some guys off the bench who want to do that too. So uh, I think theoretically it is really the type of player that would like, like Houston needs a connector. Mm-hmm. Like they don't, they, they need less guys who want to play individual basketball and more guys who want to play 0.5, keep the ball swinging. Um, I guess, you know, at the top it comes down to, how much untapped potential do you think a guy like Anthony Black has versus, you know, some of these other guys? So where are you at, Albert? So actually, I, what I wanted to do was I wanted to ask a follow-up question mm. with what you talked about, Corey, just because, I mean, just in your the, the segment here where you wrote about Anthony Black, Jeremy, you, you said here in the middle, again, it's early in the process, right? That's what you said with us. And then you said he offers untapped upside as well as a high floor to his elite size lead guard, advanced field, and positive impact on both ends. So when you're looking at a prospect like Anthony Black, or just, sorry, just a prospect in general, right? You as, a, as someone who's going out there, you're a well-traveled man. If anyone follows your Twitter account, they'll see that you're literally all over the country. But when you're seeing these guys both on the floor and on tape, how do you weigh ultimately the positive impact that they're having on the floor and on the games that you're watching currently versus 
the untapped potential and the upside that you can see as well. How do you, how does all that, because like something that we do at No Ceilings all the time is we're constantly up, updating our big board, doing mock drafts just like you. But for me, like I find it really difficult sometimes to weigh those two things against each other to then slot these guys at different spots and have them go up, you know, ha have them being placed yeah. above or below one another. How do you weigh those different aspects in terms of your valuation of these guys? Yeah. Um, you know, part of why I really value, uh, you know, having the ability to, you know, thankfully, you know, uh, you know, get around and, and do uh, get to some games and kind of suss it out is because is I do think that there's some like the way our brains work, like there's like it's sort of uh, this sort of an imperceptible thing where it's like you go somewhere and you just kind of like feel it or you don't. And you're you're watching and if you're really paying attention, it's like, you know, the more experience you get going to games and watching and uh, scouting and it's like you know I I've been doing this for you know a decade now uh, and I was not I had no idea what I was doing when I was in college you know learning to <laughs> you know try to do this um, and uh, you know now I still don't know always if I know what I'm doing but uh, I, at least I have the experience where it's like I, I sort of trust my own instinct with with what I'm watching mm -hmm. so it's like you know I, I think it's important to you know watch the game and then go look at how the numbers sort of bear out like. You know, some of these stats I do think are, are, are pretty good indicators of impact. Like I think I think box plus minus is pretty useful just just in terms of like a. I don't really like catch all stats normally, but I, I do think that is a good one just in terms of like. Typically, it tells us who the good players are, <laughs> so it gives you a place to, to look, or it can reaffirm like that guy's good or he wasn't right. So like, you know, I'm I'm always kind of cross checking, um, but like in terms of positive impact, I mean, it's part of it's in you know the plays guys make. Part of it is in, uh, you know, the energy and the attitude that they have. Uh, you know, and then upside, you know, that's a whole sort of a different conversation where it's, you know, physically, mm -hmm. you know, what does this guy have left to gain? Uh, you know, what does the best version of this player look like? Um, you know, there's different ways of looking at it. Like, um, you know, I mean, I'll use an example uh, is like Tyrese Halliburton. Like to me, I, I loved him um, really early. Like when he was a freshman at Iowa State, I like stumbled and watching him and he like shot the ball like maybe five times. But like he was like huge, huge, just like, sirens going off in my head like this guy is so just like impactful mm. um mm. and sometimes that's just a good place to start uh and so you know i do think i'm not like going to compare them because they're different but like i do think the success of a guy like Halliburton sort of turning into a superstar uh, and like maximizing the like crazy feel uh just positive impact type player and then also being able to play point guard um it's probably gonna play in anthony black's favor uh on draft night mm. like that's just sort of how the NBA thinks a lot of the time. Um, you know, I don't know if he'll go three or if he'll go seven or whatever, um, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be a top 10 pick. And I think it's going to be, you know, someone's going to take a bet on that. I mean, like Giddy is another, I think pretty decent comp people right. use with black where like Giddy wasn't yeah. like the way he's shooting it now. No one thought he was going to be shooting this well and five years from now. And he's done it already. So it's like just having that and just being really smart and being, being able to be out there, uh, you know, defensively, he has size. Uh, he makes the right play all the time. He's not selfish. Mm. Like, that's kind of what's what's working in the NBA right now. Um, and if you think about the guys who were, you know, if you think about in the last couple of drafts, like who are the rookies who are like struggling to earn minutes or like earn playing time? It's oftentimes just the guys who are raw and like don't have, don't give the coaches much of a reason to play them, right? You think about yeah. the coming guys and guys like that. Uh, you know, players in that mold. It's like, it's, it's just harder to find minutes for those guys sometimes if you're trying to win. Um, so I think that all has to be kind of factored in. Like I, you kind of know Anthony Black's going to get in the game. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas like, if you look at like, um, you know, I mean, if you use the Thompson Twins just as a point of comparison, like, yeah, their upside is higher. Um, like I'm not going to argue that. Like, um, you know, a man 
particularly uh, with his his passing. His up, his upside is crazy high, but uh, you know, there's the risk of you know, what if he's on your team and suddenly he, he's not doing what you thought he was, and mm-hmm. then can you find him minutes if you're trying to win? And so, you know, these are all things that go into these picks, and it's it can't just be boiled down to one thing. But I, I kind of I'm rambling right. here, but um, that's kind of no. what I'm thinking. About with, you know, when we're talking about who is the number three pick, like that's probably a call I'm going to write at some point, like onto it because it's an interesting discussion unto itself. But like, you know, these are all fat different factors in it. I think even like Kaminga versus like Franz, right? Like exactly in that exactly. era, right? Like right, right. Franz, you knew Franz was a guy that you knew. Like okay, maybe he doesn't have that hot. Well, I mean, maybe he does. We're seeing now he does have that high end <laughs> upside, but you, he wasn't, uh, you know, projected to have this crazy upside that he's even showing. But it's like you knew he was going to get on the floor because he was a good passer. He could defend multiple positions. You know, he he was really heady and 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 smart. Had good feel. Um, I, I, I do think that there is like an interesting um, push pull on, you know, evaluators on, on, on how to value that type of thing. And the, the Thompson twins are interesting. They're honestly, Amen is one of the more difficult prospects that I've ever had to try to evaluate. Cause I, I've now seen him like multiple times in person. And like, there are things that I find are obviously so incredibly impressive. And there are things where I'm like, what am I missing that everybody else is seeing sometimes? And, you know, it's one of those things in my gut that I just get a little like, I want to throw up sometimes when I think about where I have to rank him. Uh, And if I was actually making that decision, it's like, I would have to have so much trust in my development team and uh, my shooting coaches. And it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing because there's easily a world where a guy like Anthony black is more impactful to winning games than a guy like Amen Thompson because they kind of do a lot of the same things. Amen just does it while being shot out of a, a rocket ship mm-hmm. at the same time, right? Like they're both guys who you kind of want to get downhill, make plays for other guys with their rim pressure, and then hopefully they can both shoot from the outside yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, part of my, my thing, like Amen, sometimes I almost go like, is he almost a ceiling? Like he has this unlimited ceiling. That's why the appeal, right? Almost. Cause if he figures out how to shoot, but like, if he doesn't, is he a ceiling capper to where mm-hmm. like, you know, if you're give, if you're giving him the keys, how, how far can he actually take you versus a guy like Anthony black who, where he might not be driving the car, but he's like, he's got the auxiliary cord and he's like killing the playlist and you're having like a great time in the car. <laughs> You know, so I, it's it's it is like this this interesting push pull for arguments for and against you know guys like that. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Actually, and and, and to kind of piggyback off, well, first off, Corey, the Amen stuff. You know how I've always felt about Amen. Like I, yeah. I get it, the high end skills, the the athletic ability, all that stuff is awesome. But like, if he just can't shoot, then I just I. I he scares me so bad. Uh, and, and if anything, something we've talked about when we did our Osar breakdown, I, I I just think he's way ahead of him right now as a shooter than Amen is. And I think there are better signs and clearer pathways in my mind where Amen be- Osar becomes a better shooter and also has the passing ability that Amen has and also the the athletic ability as well. So in a lot of sense, I mean, Corey, you and I are kind of on the same page where we we have Osar above Amen right now. But yeah. um, actually, maybe that's a good follow-up question for us to ask Jeremy right now. Jeremy, how do you, like, you've mentioned the, the, uh, the Thompson twins and, you know, how they have the ceiling. 
for both of us, I think we both have Asar over Amen. And some people may take that and say that, hey, you guys are crazy and it could be controversial or whatever. Just what was wondering what your overall thoughts are on the Thompson twins and what you I mean, obviously, outlook wise, it's like, yeah, like they have all this potential ceiling super high. But you, you I, the f- interesting thing is both of you guys talked about your gut. Right. And that's something that I guess for me, as I'm still newer, I'm sh- still trying to develop my gut and take the probiotics and have a healthy gut um, in terms of my scouting. But for you, for you, Jeremy, wondering in your gut, how do you feel about these twins? And obviously they're getting a lot of love and a lot of highlights and people love talking about them. But in your gut, how do you feel about them at this juncture? Yeah. Um, <sighs> You know, it's a tough, it's a, it's just, it's a very tough evaluation. And um, I'll put I'll put it this way, and this is kind of how, what I've been saying um, a lot of the season, is it's like, I think to me, uh, the biggest thing that scares me, not necessarily even just with them, but just like generally with with really, you know, guys who are going to be, you know, lottery picks, like the, the high high leverage, like risky, risk reward part of the draft, Um it's just like the the unknown that anytime there's a guy who's making like a a massive massive like unquantifiable jump in level uh that scares the shit out of me like mm. when i'm drafting um and it's not nothing you know no, nothing wrong with them it's just in general that's just something that is part of the the evaluation here uh and like i'll make a point like you know last year like i really liked johnny davis and mm. he's been not very good so far you know i hope he'll figure it out and i I do think he will at some point. Um, he's probably not going to be what people thought he was. I think at this point we know that. But, um, you know, I think it kind of goes back to, uh, and again, this isn't really a knock on him, but it's like, you know, I went to a ton of Wisconsin games last year, and I still, it never quite occurred to me. It's like, hey, the stuff they're doing, like, does not translate. It is not the same type of basketball. Like, their system is so rigid, you know, it doesn't really put him in spots to improvise. Um, you know, it played some to his strengths a bit, but just – you know, point point being, like, I think that was just not a translatable system. Um, so, like, you know, level is one thing, but also, like, what type of basketball are you playing? And, and the Wisconsin system, like, doesn't really translate great to the NBA, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, they win games. But um, so, like, to that point, you know, having thought, I've been thinking about that. Uh, I just I just wonder if there's some of that baked in here with, with, um, with the Twins. And it's, you know, they are, are not coming out of college. Uh, you know, I do think, you know, I like them both as people and I think they're both going to work and like, I don't really worry about them as guys. Like they're, I've, you know, talked to them both a bunch of times and hmm. uh, I like them. So like, it's, it's going to help them that I think people will want to draft them more after you meet them. Hmm. <laughs> like that's yeah, going to help. Um, for sure. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, to, to the, back to the actual basketball, it's like, I kind of go back and forth. I don't think you guys are crazy to say, uh, you know, Asar is the better prospect. Like it kind of, there's two ways of looking at it. And I think, I think upside wise, you know, a men's upside is just, is just higher. Um, just, just cause I, there's more, at least there's a chance he plays point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how, how confident I am yet that that happens, but it's, it's not, you know, it's, a, it's an outcome. And uh, you know, Asar, I think maybe his floor is higher just because, you know, like you said, he is shooting it a little bit better. Um, you know, he's playing a role now that at least is kind of, right. You know, equivalent with what he'll be doing in the long run. He's, you know, I think he can be a really, really good defender. Um, I'm not all, exactly sure how good a scorer he is yet. Like, if he's really going to be a guy you want to give the ball to. But, again, if he just figures out how to, like, play off and guard and bring energy and, you know, they're both going to be so good in transition, like, that's still pretty valuable. Um, so it's just a matter of, like, 
how do you weigh that relative to what else is there in the draft? Because you can only, you know, you can only pick who's who's available. Um, and that's that's what's going to dictate who goes where. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think with in the case of Amen, uh, I guess what scares me a little bit is just what if it turns out that he isn't ready to play point guard? And then what do you do with him if that's if that's the case? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's going to be older. You're probably not going to want to send him to the G League. Like, if he's your third or fourth or fifth pick, like, you, you know, you're going to want to give those guys minutes. Uh, but if he's not ready to run the team um, and he has to kind of play off, like, it's and he's not shooting well, uh, it's going to be tough. And, you know, even, again, even if he is playing point guard, uh, you know, everyone's going to go under on screens. They're going to load up to the right, just try to, like, you know, make him uncomfortable, like, like, you know, I think OTE, like, it's cool. Like, you know, the, the level is basically high school. Um, but you're not getting, like, heavily, like, schemed against, I don't think. Like, a lot, there's a lot of open play. Um, you know, yeah. you can see their speed. You can see, you know, how good they are getting into the paint. Um, but they're also a lot older than some of these guys. So there, there, there's different things you have to think about here. Um, you know, they're both really good prospects. Um, but I just, you know, part of why, you know, what I've – I'm just been trying to hammer this home. It's not like a sure thing that they're going to go in the top five. Like, I think there are a lot of different ways this can go. And I've just been trying to like, you know, just get that across. Like it's not their fault. It's just like, it's not a lot. Like there's a lot of different things that are going to happen still. Yeah. The draft, if we've learned anything is completely unpredictable, even when, you know, we have people reporting that the number one pick is locked in 30 minutes prior to the draft. And then ultimately it, it shifts right away. Right. Like <laughs> when, whatever we think we know is going to happen, it that's what makes the the draft so much fun is we know that that's not actually how it's going to play out in real time and when we look back on the mock drafts and and whatnot like the actual order because all it takes is one team to like throw a wrench into to something and you know make everybody's board looks discombobulated i want to go backwards a little bit because uh the guy that you have at number five just really puts a smile on my face. He's he's my favorite prospect in the draft. Uh, and I'm talking about Jarris Walker. And, you know, I, I think Jarris has been a guy that um, a lot of people have had differing opinions on. I've, you know, heard media people who were like, ah, oh, I have him in 15 to 20. I came into the year and I still have him at third on my personal board. I just, he's one of those guys when we're, we're talking about Anthony Black, I look at Jairus Walker and I see another guy who looks a lot like what the NBA really loves in six, eight, seven, two wingspan, grown man strength, versatile skill set. And I think I was prepared for him to go into Houston and not kind of show everything he got to show in high school offensively. But I kind of know it's there. And when I look at how he might be used at the NBA level, I go, this guy looks every bit of a top five pick. So what got you to Jarris as a top five guy? He's had a couple of really good games recently. He's had some, you know, quieter games recently. How do you feel about Walker as a prospect in the long term? Yeah, um, I think I had I'd have to go back and look. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but like, I, I think I had him pretty high to start the season, like six or five or seven or something. And uh, I just, I think he's a really, really safe pick um, just because I, the, the value of guys like that, who, um, you know, not only can, you know, play out of a lot of different spots in the floor on offense, but also can probably defend, you know, threes, fours, maybe play some small ball five, like in certain situations. Like I think that's, 
just the versatility that brings uh, is really, really valuable. And that's something that's, you know, particularly with his body type, like guys like that don't tend to fall very far, um, you know, in, in the draft. Like, again, he's not like giant. He's like six, seven, six, eight. He's not bigger than six, eight. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's impressed me because like I, I've watched Harris for a long time and I remember watching him when he was, I guess, a freshman or a sophomore in high school and he was just a turnover machine. And I'm like, dude, like this is not going to work. Um, and then over time, you know, you watch him again and, uh, I think like by the time we got to like last spring and it was, you know, McDonald's game and all those different things, like uh, it was kind of evident that he had kind of bought into doing the smaller stuff. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, okay, like I'm willing to be open-minded with this. Um, you know, he was really good his senior year of high school. I thought, uh, yeah. Yeah. I watched a few of those games with, with IMG. I didn't watch every single game, but it was enough to know, um, you know, he can really pass. Um I went and saw Houston play Oregon early in the season just to like make sure I saw them early. Uh, he's going to have to make enough shots. I think he probably will. I don't think he's going to be a volume three-point shooter, but that's okay. Uh, but there's just, I think, a lot that he brings. Uh, and it's a unique package. And when all that stuff is kind of rolling into one player, like that's really nice. Like, you know, he can pass. He'll score a bit. He's not going to be a volume scorer. That's fine. Like, yeah. Uh, but just the defensive versatility and, uh, you know, now that he is – yeah, I think he picked a good school for him. Like, it's not, you know, no, if you go to Houston, you average 10 points. Like, it's okay. Like, that's, you know, if you consider the context and, um, you know, he rebounds, he, you know, is active. Like, uh, you know, all that stuff I think is going to work. He makes, you know, he, I, I think he's successfully kind of become what people hoped he was going to be. Uh, he's on the right track, which is exciting, I think, to me. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, and he's, he, he gives me a lot, like, if he slips, a little bit towards like that 10 to 14 range in the lottery for whatever reason. Like I can't help but think like he, we're going to look back at him as kind of like the bam out of bio of this, of this class uh, uh, who was another guy who kind of, you know, obviously far exceeded expectations and developed his offensive game in in really interesting ways. Uh, I want to read a a Bart uh, Torvik query quickly, um, which is not how anybody should only be doing their evaluations, but they're it's fun to play with usage over 20. Uh, defensive rebounding percentage over 18 assist percentage over 12 block percentage over five steal percentage over two and a half, uh, three point attempts per hundred possessions greater than three box score plus minus greater than seven and a half as a freshman. It's Jarris and Zion Williamson <laughs> since 2008, which obviously Zion, if you look at all the rest of the numbers, they like torpedo uh, into the next galaxy past the stuff that Jarris is doing but I think just going to show like the versatility in his game and that doesn't even really touch on any of the like on many of his offensive traits outside of you know the the passing that he's he's kind of sort of shown but it's fun with with internet searches and uh everyone knows how much I love Jarris here so I wanted to put that out in the into the ether <laughs> if if I can't quite really quickly you know I, I'm right there with you I've always loved Jar- I you you actually put me onto Jarris and I've fallen in love and now he's going nowhere outside my top five. But I think for me, you mentioned Bam, right? And he got taken a little bit later and he obviously played better than where he got taken. Or maybe, I don't know. Yeah, no, for sure he did. But thinking about even like a couple of years back to when Scotty, Scotty Barnes was taken by the Raptors, right? And I, I think heading into like heading into the draft, I didn't, I didn't think you and I had him going that high, but he ended up going no. high. 
And after his rookie season, what did everyone say, right? There are talks about like rumors are like, okay, will the Raptors be willing to let Scotty Barnes go for Kevin Durant? Were the type of, you know, conversations we were having over the summer. And I think Walker, obviously they're not the same player, but Walker, I mean, you look at the body type, you look at the passing, right? The handle on him, the shooting, like we, 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 when we did his breakdown, we were in love with his touch around the rim, the mid range jumper, the form, everything is, I, I think it's going to be there. And Jeremy, like you said, regardless of how good of a shooter he is, I don't think any team's going to be expecting him to be putting up 15, 20 shots a game. Right. So I, I think the role that he's going to play with the measurables that he has and the, and the skill set versatility that he has, that he's going to offer on both ends of the floor. That just looks like NBA. Like you should just stamp NBA on his forehead and be like, yeah, you're, you're going to figure this out is how I feel. I think he's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah I think I think he's a pretty a pretty easy eval in that way. Like it's just a lot of good things, and he's going to check the boxes physically. You know, it's it's not uh, not something that I I think is has to be over overcooked. Like it just it's going to work, and it just depends on who has the pick. But like again, Patrick Williams was the fourth pick in that draft, uh, right. you know, a few years ago, and he hasn't done a ton yet. But it was kind of a similar idea. But you can argue Jarris is a more fully formed player, yeah. so it's you know kind of the same thing. Like big guy who is kind of versatile and kind of does stuff like well. And Patrick, it was more guessing, and with mm. Harris, he's already doing more of it. So, yeah, you know, I think that probably bodes uh, in his favor. I also think, like, if Houston has like a, a big tournament run, like we're going to see Ooh. his, you know, stock as far as the the discourse around it, kind of, yeah. you know, really turn up to a new level um, around that time. Speaking of interesting internet discourse, um, let's talk about Brandon Miller a little bit because he we we haven't talked about him on this show since the preseason. Um, what have you thought about? the the discourse around miller as a prospect recently yeah so honestly like i i only loosely know to what you're referring like i i think i saw a couple tweets about it but like i've been super offline this season which has been amazing so like i don't i can't i can't, I can't pretend to know exactly what is being said about anyone on the internet i, I honestly don't know uh but um yeah i mean I, I i think brandon is someone who is you know in the conversation as high as three um in terms of nba scouts um you know, I was in Portland for the PK85, so I sat and watched him. Um, I didn't. I saw him twice. I didn't go to that crazy four overtime game, which he played badly uh, in. But uh, that was like the third third game in three days, so I wouldn't really stress that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, we were all tired. But um, but yeah, like you know, obviously he fits a mold where it's like big guy who makes shots. Uh, something that obviously has value um, if it pans out is always a valuable player to have. Uh, you know, someone, someone threw out like the Paul George thing to me. I think it's more of like uh, Brandon Ingram is the one that I've used that I think is maybe a better point of comparison. Like, I don't think he's as good of a prospect as Ingram, but he's probably kind of in that vein because it's, you know, physically he's a little bit underdeveloped. I don't think he is as quick and like, you know, you watch Ingram, he's just really kind of smooth and has his own, he just like kind of glides. Yeah. And he always, he's always kind of been like that, even when he didn't have like a full, you know, full grown man body you know brandon when he was 15 could still kind of move yeah um i don't think i don't think brandon miller is as deceptive as that uh but he does make shots and like again we can only draft what's there and i think if you argue you know well how many other big shot making wings are there in this draft i mean it's like who are like really shot makers and i think he is one um then yeah it's like a pretty short list so like uh, i you know i wouldn't you know i've kind of gone back and forth like i you know, if I'm being totally honest, like there's, there was times where I feel like there's something missing there kind of, but you know, he, he's teams winning, he keeps performing pretty well. And, 
Uh, I don't think it's again. I don't think it's something that's going to get overthought too much. Like is just because of what he is and and the, the value that can be. Um, so you know, my guess is he'll go in the top. You know, five to eight. You know, he could go three. He could fall a little bit. It just depends. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I, I think I want to see. I'm going to go see him again later in the season and, and like really decide like where I would take him. Um, but the, the the just the basis of what he is, I think, makes sense. Yeah, he's you know six nine guys who can shoot forty percent, handle a little bit, pass a little bit, and you know probably defend a couple of positions. It's kind of something a little bit easy to to not overthink that. Do, what have you thought about kind of like how how he's improved his finishing over the the last like ten games or so versus how he started? Do you think he he kind of was just surprised by the the level of uh, and the speed of the game and the physicality of college. Do you think it was kind of a little bit of maybe luck and bad luck um, to start the year? And maybe now it's kind of, you know, averaging out a little bit. Um, Cause I mean, you know, he is skinny. He's probably going to have some of that, those same issues at the next level when things get a little bit even more physical and fast. But um, what do you think about him trending it, you know, kind of towards the basket as a finisher? Yeah. Um, so honestly, I haven't watched a ton of Alabama since I was there. Um, okay. So I can't speak to like exact specifics about anything he's doing. Um, I do think there's probably some element of adjustment, um, just getting more comfortable. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at his box scores now. Yeah. I mean, like, um, yeah, it makes sense that he would get more comfortable. Um, you know, again, it's like, I think probably some of the finishing stuff was also spiked by, that two of 13 against North Carolina in four overtimes, which was again, their third, it was their third game in four days and they played four overtimes and he played 48 minutes. Like I'd throw that game out. Um, so like, you know, there's some element of that, but I, I think, you know, he's not, what he's not is he's not a power finisher. Um, like he's yeah. not going to be finishing through bodies. He's not dunking on people. It's, it's going to be more based on like skill and finesse yeah. uh, and just be able to like pick your spots, you know, as a skinnier guy. Um, so like, yeah, I, I would really need to like go back and I need, I probably need to do a little bit of catch up on that to like give you a real opinion. Um, okay. But I also like, yeah, I, I think sometimes we're always too quick. Uh, people are too quick to be like, oh, 10 games, this is a problem. Like, no, just like let it bear out because these mm-hmm. are also people who are, you know, in new situations and, you know, adjusting to things. Like the, the worst thing you can do is like overreact to anything. Just like, you know, yeah. like if it looks like he can finish, then he can probably finish. And if it, because I think finishing is one thing you can kind of see, right? Like, that's the type of thing where, yeah, sometimes the numbers look weird, but if you look at like the way people finish and like mm-hmm. their body types and like the angles yeah. they're taking, like, no, that's the type of thing you can kind of like, I think the eye test can kind of quantify that pretty well. Uh, and it's sometimes in a way that where numbers can just be random. So, dude, I, I think for me, the one thing I, I'm currently, he's listed at 6'9, 200. Um, clearly needs to put on some weight. Um, I'm heavier than Brandon Miller right now, but um, I, I think with him, the biggest thing that I wrote about when I wrote about um, wrote my piece on him and that you see on film, and I'm sure I, I haven't seen him in person yet, but the, I, I feel like just in terms of his frame, like he, he ju- it just looks like a frame that's gonna obviously, Corey and I, we talk about like the grown man's strength that comes in for literally everybody eventually, but I, I think for him, like the biggest thing is like I, I look at his shoulders and I'm like, oh yeah, he's gonna add size no problem and once he adds weight and he's in an nba conditioning program nba diet whatever it is whatever the nba fad diet is right now i don't know if guys are all doing the vegan stuff anymore but i I just think in in an nba program with nba experience and then i i just think he's got the frame to get bigger and stronger where i'm with you guys i don't think he'll ever be like a power finisher but 
I do think with his skill and finesse that he has right now, and then he adds that grown man strength and he adds to his frame, I think he's going to be just fine. And I think the key to what both of you guys are saying is I think a lot of people made some really definitive statements and definitive ju definitive judgments about his finishing uh, without even letting him finish his freshman season. So I'm 100% I'm with you guys. I think it, this type of stuff takes time. And it, his floor, once again, and the base skill set that he has as a shooter and a guy who can even do stuff with the ball in his hands is unbelievable. So you just add some strength into his frame with all of that, and you have a really high-end prospect, And which is why I think he absolutely deserves to be in this part of the conversation. Yeah, I'm just I'm going back and just glancing at like my notes that I had from from Portland and like, yeah, like I had some questions about like just getting to the rim because he's not great with his left. Um, and again, he's not like we said, not super powerful. He does have some finesse, but he's not going through bodies and he's not like super super fast getting downhill. Um, but again, it's like, you know, picture him if you could, you know, run him off a screen and then a guy is trailing him and then he has a step to either go downhill or shoot like a twelve footer. Like he's probably gonna be really hard to guard because he yeah. can shoot over people in those situations. So like. Uh, you know, again, it's like, it's important to look at all this, but, uh, you know, so, so sometimes I think part of the problem is like you, sometimes we look like way too closely at like one little thing and then make it about mm. everything or we step too far back and you miss like the details, but like there's somewhere in the middle, I think with, with, with scouting, that, uh, it's kind of usually where the answer is. Yeah. I, I think, you know, that's what makes it, uh, you know, hard to, to, you know, there is a lot of nuance to to kind of figure out and it's like you know solving a mystery with with some of these guys uh i think one of the guys i'm interested to hear your opinion on because it's uh i think it's the highest i've seen this guy and i don't think it's it's crazy at all and part partly i think it's one of the highest places i've, I've seen this guy um going to mock is because he's not playing uh domestically and that's um ram repair from the breakers and you had him going uh 13 um so in the lottery to to the jazz but even not taking team kid and uh team fit into account repair in the lottery again i think could make a lot of sense but it isn't something that we're seeing a whole lot of made a lot because he was you know injured for a little bit um but he's come back so what is kind of the the full the reasoning behind is this anything you're hearing kind of behind the scenes from guys who are a little bit more plugged in having, you know, maybe going and having seen him for a couple of years, seeing him in person. Um, is this more of your feel? What's, what's going on with, with repair? Because he, he's a guy that again, fits the way the modern NBA kind of wants to play. Um, so he's an intriguing guy that I feel like the, this space hasn't really talked about a lot yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just, you know, I've never seen him live, so like, there's that caveat where I just haven't seen him yet in person, and I probably won't um, until the NBA. But man, I, I just I love this guy. Like, uh, you know, I watched a, actually like a pretty more than I expected to. I watched a decent amount of his his uh, last, <laughs> I guess, last summer when I was like taking a few weeks to kind of like look at just preliminary stuff. Like, I really liked everything I saw from him. Like, he, you know, a he's so long, um, so long, like, <laughs> you know, defensively, <laughs> yeah. And I think he, that's part of his identity is he likes guarding. Like he's got shit to him. Like he can do those things where I think we don't always assume like European wings, like want to do that stuff, but he seems to like really want to do it um, in terms of, you know, getting in the passing lanes, you know, he'll guard the ball handler. He's really big. He's long, he's disruptive. Like um, he knows how to play. Uh, and I, and so like, again, it's like, I, 
I think that's the type of thing where typically guys trend up. Um, you know, I, I think I probably, I personally, I think I like him a little bit more than I did Usman uh, Jang last year, okay. just because I think what repair does, it's more, I think the word I used was like pragmatic. Like it's <laughs> just like the stuff he does is helpful. Um, whereas Usman, it was like, yeah, maybe he's going to be really smooth and make a ton of shots. But like, what if not, what if he does? Theory. Like, he's right, a theory exactly. guy. Exactly. Yeah. And if he doesn't, then like, what else is he doing? And, you know, we'll see how that bears out. Um, but yeah, repair. I think it's someone, you know, I hear positive stuff. Like I haven't heard anyone who doesn't like him yet. Like, it's not like I'm asking everybody, but sure. Um, you know, it's the type of profile where I think it's going to trend up. And I watched uh, the first game where he came back. I watched his minutes. His games are easy to watch because he usually will only play like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Get through the rest. Bang him out. Um, but his minutes are easy to watch. And like he makes plays uh, and he's active and it looks like he's making shots. So like I think as long as he makes shots, like guys that size who know how to play and are good defenders uh, and make shots, like that's the guy who's going to make money on two or three contracts in the NBA. So like, you know, to me, if that's what you're getting at 13, great. Um, but again, it's all relative. And you know, we've seen, I mean, I think that range to me, like that's the interesting thing about this draft is I, I almost think the, the, the top, like obviously great top two and then, you know, three to seven or eight or whatever. Like, I don't know exactly who the guys are. You can argue a lot of ways, but then I think there's going to be really interesting value in that next year, like going down even to like 17 or 18. Like, um, you know, I, I guess I had, I had Jet Howard at like 18 and then mm. he had this great game last week. I'm like, Oh, maybe that was too low. Like I'm rethinking <laughs> it a little bit. Like, you know, he could go high. Like, you know, Dariq, I don't know what he's going to do. But, you know, it's like they're interesting guys, I think, in the teens. And I think that's a good range to pick in uh, in this draft. So if he, you get him there, I think it's awesome. It's a great uh, great um, development pick. Dariq is an interesting conversation because, you know, he, he's a guy who, who's returning. He returned from injury, a lower body injury, which, you know, you injure any part of your lower body, probably have to stay off of it for the most part. So your conditioning is, is going to be you know, rough coming in, you're coming into division one basketball. So, I I mean, if for anybody who's like just not played pickup for like two months and then tried to go to LA fitness, uh, you feel like you're going to die. This guy's going into, you know, an incredibly high level. Um, so he started off really slow and, you know, he's, I I think things are, are trending up a little bit with him, but still there's part of me, even saying all of that, that is a little worried because it's a, a, a lot of stuff I was a little bit worried about coming into the year where everything just seems a little bit tough. I think, you know, trying to think to like similar situation with AJ Griffin, who was coming back from an injury, it almost felt like AJ bought in to like, all right, I am going to play off of all of these guys and figure out how to do this kind of like off ball spot up shooter. Maybe I could, when I, you know, if I have an opportunity to create a little bit, I'll show it. I'll try to cut when I can. And with Dariq, I st- I feel like he's struggling to find that middle ground between being who he is and fitting into this team. And it's it's making it a really hard evaluation because he's obviously super talented. I mean, he did had a ton of success on the high school circuit and in the all-star games and whatnot. But right now, there are moments where it's like just super, super rough. And then you'll you'll see like sprinkled in some of those flashes where you're like, oh, that's the thing you want to buy into. I don't know. For me, Albert, I don't know where you're at with Dariq. He, he, he's been tough for me. I, I think, Corey, we, we've had, I think in private, we've had some conversations about Dariq and guys like Dariq. And I think 
uh, that evils, eval is always going to be tough. And just like, I don't know, I feel like the overall theme of what we've talked about today is that the sample size of the players that we're talking about are so small and mm-hmm. development in general, growth and development, um, as the old saying goes, is never linear, right? And so for us to look at these players in such a small window and to make definitive statements, I think is like almost like foolishness, right? And, I, but I'm with you, like, what we've seen so far from Derek on the floor at Duke, right? If we're taking the part of what the actual production is and what that actually looks like, like Corey, I can't deny that my 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 gut does not feel great about what I've seen, right? But but then again, you get to the theoretical side of what Derek could be, right? He's got decent size to him. He's got some athleticism to him uh, defensively, like Tyler Metcalf of No Ceilings uh, has has been singing his praises for years now in terms of what he looked like as a defender before his senior season right in high school and wow how there's potential there and then you talk about the shooting upside and things like that but i i think overall for me where i'm at currently is i can't deny what we've seen so far and and you see on Twitter and you see people posting highlights like, look, Tariq's he's coming back, right? He he looks better. And it's like very minimal stuff so far. So for me overall, I would say I think the 18 to 25 range is kind of where I'm sitting at in terms of where he gets taken. And I think that's totally fair. But of course, considering once again the theoretical side of his game, he may end up being a guy who plays way better than where he ends up getting drafted. But it's kind of unavoidable considering the fact that, as you mentioned, Corey, he is coming back from injury and playing on a Duke squad that isn't so great this year either. Not that fun to watch. Not the best situation to be in is kind of how I feel. And I'm curious to hear what you have to say too, Jeremy, just because it's, it hasn't been the most fun watch, whether for him or for the team as a whole. Yeah. I mean, there are a few interesting parts of the, the conversation here. Like, I think one, anytime there's a situation where it's a team with a lot of freshmen and like none of them are playing well, um, that's just something that has to be like kind of carefully parsed. Like uh, when no one is playing their best basketball, like is it a sign that they're all suddenly really bad or is it a sign that just like something's not working? And Mm -hmm. usually it's more of the latter. Um, So, you know, maybe Duke, you know, hits their stride, uh, you know, in a month or two or whatever over the next, you know, couple, couple months. But uh, I don't know if we can assume that happens, right? So that's just going to be a challenge uh, just on its on the surface level is, you know, with all of those guys, whichever ones decide to enter the draft. But um, with Derek, like I think, you know, I always liked him in high school, but I also think that maybe the narrative around him being like a superstar, like was probably always not correct. Like I never like felt like that because he's, he's not super, super big for a wing. You know, he's like six, four, six, five. Um, He's athletic, but he's not like a crazy mover or like separator. Yeah. Uh, and what scared me, um, I guess what scared me, uh, you know, coming into this season with him, um, I can't, I don't know how much this was like really reflected in where I was projecting. Cause like, uh, you know, at a certain point you kind of just have to like throw the names that, you know, are kind of like in the mix, but um, was just that he, he seemed a little bit too reliant from what I had seen lately last year, uh, just a little too reliant on shooting, shooting tough jumpers when he's not like really a shooter shooter, like he can make shots, but he's not like a dead eye shooter. Right. So like, I was worried about that. Like he wasn't getting to the rim a ton. Um, now I think also you factor in, he's still really young for the class, uh, going to be better basketball ahead for him. Um, but at the same time, it's like, what else is he going to add? Like, what is he going to get better at? Like, yeah, he'll make him maybe make more shots and 
and whatnot, but like, will he really get more dynamic, like getting guys off the dribble? Like, I just don't think his game is like shake and bake, right? Yeah. Um, so if he's not really like an ISO player, and if he is reduced to a guy who has to rely on hitting a lot of shots, like there's a chance that doesn't work that great. Um, so, you know, that's a profile that's it's tricky. Um, I do think that the, uh, the youth will, you know, get him some benefit of the doubt, like he'll be a first round pick. I don't know where yet, because I think, you know, one trend, like a lot of the guys who I talk to in the NBA, like there's like a show me aspect after a certain point where it's like, you know, you get a little grace period to adjust, but now it's like, if you're not producing, then like, what are you, you know, what are, what are you looking at? Right. Like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to get picked in the top 10 when you're not producing. Um, particularly, I think, you know, when you have a reputation coming in and like, you know, we, I saw him play when he was an eighth grader on Montverde and like on the varsity, he got like five minutes. And I was like, who is this? And, you know, so like he's someone we've known about for a long time. Um, but sometimes when those guys, maybe, and maybe this is wrong, um, but sometimes I think when there are names that we've been aware of for so long and then they don't live up to maybe what people hope for, um, maybe there's bias the other way where it's, you know, frustration, mm-hmm. right? So like, it's important to not let that get in the way. Um, but he is, he's tricky. Um, and, and it's just like, from what I've seen, like, you know, I guess I think one of the games that I saw, or I was in New York when they played Iowa. And he was better in that game. Like he looked faster. Uh, I haven't watched him closely probably since then. Uh, but um, yeah, it's just, it's just a matter of like, by the end of the season, you know, where is he athletically? Like, will he be able to convince people that he has more there? Um, I think that's kind of what we're waiting to see. But again, the, the fact that Duke is, is sort of a, a messy, um, just like production situation right now, because they're just trying to win games any way they can. Um, you know, I think that makes it tough. Yeah, I, I, I agree. He's, uh, he's almost like the inverse of like the Anthony Black conversation a little bit, where he's like trying to fit a, you know, a, a square into a, a round hole at times. Um, and that that Duke roster is interesting, and I want to stick with it a little bit, um, Albert. If I know you might have to to run, yeah. if you do, you could you could say goodbye to the people so you don't you know Irish exit on on everyone. <laughs> No, I apologize because I actually have a, another work call to take. But I, Jeremy, really appreciate you coming on and joining us. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to everyone later. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> later, man. All right. Um, all right. So I, I do want to stick with Duke, but I want to expand it out a little bit um, to include Kalel Ware. Uh, so I want to talk about like Lively and Kalel Ware. Obviously, both guys have really failed to, you know, I guess, live up to the expectation uh, that was set for them in the preseason. I was skeptical. I think I had both guys hovering around like the 20 mark on my preseason rankings just because I was like, I, you know, the NBA doesn't value bigs, you know, as highly as, as they used to. Um, and I guess you really had to buy into like the shooting of both of those guys to kind of believe in them as kind of like this new age unicorn type of prospect but you know with with lively who i'm still not like super high on i do feel like watching him at duke and the situation that you know he's in similarly to some of these other guys like you said they're young guys trying to figure this out it does feel like this is like the worst possible scenario for a guy like him who is like this rim running lob catching guy who yeah, maybe he hits threes eventually, but like his main thing is going to be like cleaning up the garbage on the offensive glass, like being in the dunker spot, just like an at the rim finishing guy on a team that doesn't really have like a ton of like 
creation the way that he'll probably have it at the next level. Um, and then I think defensively, he's actually probably been pretty good, like about what I expected. Like, I, I think um, he's been a pretty good defender. He's been versatile um, schematically. Like you could still envision him, um, you know, doing a lot of positive things on that end. And I can't help but feeling like there is going to be like, there's been this like massive drop for him from where he was in the preseason. But I also feel like it, it probably should get to a point where it kind of levels out because he does still do a lot of interesting things when you think of him less as a college player and more in like an NBA context. Um, and I think, you know, where kind of similarly, I mean, his, he's not playing a ton of minutes and, you know, it's, it's hard for um, a, that kind of situation to, to find consistency. And again, he doesn't have like, you know, dynamic playmaking. Like I think both of those guys would probably look a lot better if they were playing alongside like Taron Armstrong rather than, you know, the guards on, on their team. So where are like you at and and what are you kind of hearing about like how far are these guys really going to drop or like is it just internet discourse that's pushing them down a board like our NBA teams do you think they're going to ultimately end up higher when they see them in person and get them for workouts and whatnot uh no I mean like honestly so uh, you know I was able to see both guys like pretty extensively early um Mm because I was in in Portland, obviously, as I said before, and then yep. I, I went to that Houston, Oregon game. So I saw Lively twice, and I saw, or sorry, Lively three times, and I saw Ware twice early. Um, and so I, I think I have a barely good grasp of the situation here, and I, I think it's totally up in the air, mm. uh, like 100% up in the air for both, um, wow. because they're both going to have to win the battle of do you like to play basketball? You know, like, <laughs> what are you? I, I mean, it sounds funny, but it's it no. sometimes boils down yeah. to that. Like, 100%. You know, we see we see talented freshmen sometimes. It's like, why are they not playing more minutes? Well, there's a coach who's trying to win games, and like, they're not here to necessarily develop you if you're not going to put in the right type of stuff and impact the game uh, to get enough minutes. And so, right. uh, you know, they're both, it's fair to see, you know, they are both playing behind experienced centers. Like, you know, Ryan Young is the guy at Duke who he's yeah. taking more minutes because he produces. And, mm-hmm. and Fale Dante, also really productive at Oregon. So it's like, these guys that have not won these jobs because they haven't been that as impactful uh, consistently enough. So that's an element here. And teams have to look at that too. Like if you can't play, if you can't get on the court right now uh, at your co- on your college team, like what are you going to do for us? Like how long mm-hmm. are we going to have to wait? Because there's only so much patience that I think teams have for these guys before you, you know, see them going to another team. Mm-hmm. Um, and just that question, if that's really a question, how high can you take a guy like that where you're not sure what you're getting? Um, because these rookie contracts are such, if you hit, it's such a high value pick if you're trying to build a winning team, because it's not, you know, comparatively to your whole cap sheet, it's not that expensive. So you want to nail that. And if if you have to wait two years to, you know, say you take one of those guys at like 15 or 16, you have to wait two or three years to even know if you're going to get to have a player. I mean, that's a really tough, just objective strategic question, right? Like sometimes we boil down scouting, but also it's like, well, there's strategy and elements that go into building a team and winning games that people, Mm -hmm. I think get sometimes get missed when we're talking about, you know, who is a good finisher and who can, Box shots and that type of shit. So like, I think like with, with lively, you know, I liked him in high school, but I, I think he had a really good peach jam and then people stopped thinking critically about it. Mm. Um, I, you know, he, why he played at like a pretty small high school, like West town yeah. school. They don't play great comp. So I think he probably wasn't pushed. Um, there's probably an element of that. And now he's being pushed and it's not going great. So like, I mean, I, I'm looking right now and as of today, he's shot 15 free throws this season, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah you, when you live at the rim. <laughs> He's been in the line like five times. So like, are yeah. we really talking about a guy who's going to punch people at the rim or are we talking about a guy who has no offensive impact? Right. 
right? Like, yeah, you can catch a lob, and you're right. I think you make a good point about like, you know, Roach and uh, you know Proctor hasn't. Proctor probably is a guy who's going to be better eventually, yeah. but like they're not really running stuff to like feed throw lobs to the rim. That's like not what they're doing. So no. that element isn't there. Um, but lively also like he's not a freaky athlete. Like he doesn't have like what Mitchell Robinson had, which is like at least mm. this guy is you know he's athletic enough for the NBA. Like you know he can be physically dominant. Like Lively's not even doing that. Like he's not being su- he hasn't you know been super super productive. Um, and again, there's time for that to tick up. Um, but it's because you, when you don't come out of the gate showing who you are, teams are always going to question. Um, you know, yeah. it's you know what is really what we're looking at here. Um, you know, you're going to get that label, and it's it's hard to shake the low motor thing. Um, you know, if we're talking about Khalil, like it's kind of the same thing. Where uh, let me pull up his um, his stats too. I'm just now I'm just curious because I haven't looked in a in a minute. Um, but it was kind of the same thing where it's like you know, a lot of the time he's just kind of lazing around, like you know, coming into the season, I also, uh, and again, I was at, I was at, you know, games where he was kind of productive, but like, I think in that loss to UConn, almost all of his production came when the game was like way out of hand, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, he had two points against uh, Houston when I was there. So it's like, you know, I always thought where was overrated just coming into this year to begin with, like I wouldn't have put him in top 10 or whatever, just cause like, um, I think there's an element sometimes of like we overrate the guys who are on the USA under 19 because we see them. Like there are certain things like just because we can see it uh, and we have a sense of it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean anything in the context of the whole draft where there are a lot of players. Yes. Um, But sometimes we all all fall prey to that, right? So like he had the exposure uh, and it's easy to see his body and the fact he can kind of shoot and like get interested. Um, But again, it comes back down to like, does this guy really, he doesn't play hard consistently. Um, Mm -hmm. He hasn't earned the minutes consistently. Uh, and his minutes, I mean, it troubles me without knowing what's going on. His minutes have gone down since I saw him last, uh, you know, in November. Yeah, they're just trading in the wrong so, direction. So it's like, I, I don't really feel like I even have to watch him that close because I know what he can do. It's just a matter of, like, are you going to get out of your own way? And is that going to change? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so it's it's hard for me to say that that guy is worth a top 20 pick. Um, so for me, like, my answer would just be I would just not take a center. <laughs> like, I would yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be that easy sometimes. So, like, I agree. You know, they're both going to get drafted. I just, it's really hard to say. Like, I, my guess is someone will take a swing. Um, and that can, you know, that can totally vary. Uh, but, but just like the, the skepticism here is like not just like a mirage. Like, it's a thing that, mm. you know, it's hard to get excited about guys who aren't productive. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like the idea of them sounds cool, but like, you know, the idea doesn't how really many, Yeah. And how many times does it work out the way we want for those guys? Yeah. Rarely when you have to ask those questions, it's like, you know, Rarely. And and then you have guys like Clowney and like Taylor Hendricks who maybe could do like, you know, somewhat similar things to what you wanted the idea of those guys to do in the first place. And, you know, they push them down on the right. board. You are what's, gonna... the common, what's the common thread is those guys were, were, were not hyped. You know, I, right. I, I think there's something to that. Like the guys who, uh, and this is a greater conversation probably about like the, the culture of, you know, how we're developing players and, uh, you know, the hype that people get. Um, and it's not the kid's fault. A lot of no. the time it's like, you know, if you're searching your name on Twitter and someone's like, oh, this guy's the best. And you don't know who this guy is, but you're going you know, to take the compliment. Right. But like, um, you know, that's one of the things that I, part of why I stay off Twitter and I try to stay away from making statements about anything is it's like I people look at this stuff. And I, if I'm going to say it, I want to like, <laughs> feel confident in what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd rather just write it in a story where I can contextualize things. So like, you know, that whole discourse, I think, is, is bad for players. Um, but the guys who don't have that. Um, I mean, John Morant, you know, I mean, there's a billion cases of the guys who no one expected being Damian Lillard. 
Right, exactly. And it's and it's not like they weren't good to begin with. It's just like they get missed and then you know, I, I think they probably have the benefit of uh not dealing with some of the things that these top guys deal with in terms of, you know, what's handed to you. Um yeah. mixed you know, <laughs> Right, exactly. So like again, I'm not blaming the players for this because this is a bigger problem with you know, our basketball culture probably, but no um, undoubtedly. But I think it, I think it is also a factor in terms of like who over, who, you know, who is um overperforming and who's underperforming yeah all right so before we finish up here i think a good way to kind of end this is um who are some of the guys you think that or give me who's one guy you think is going to be like a a pretty decent riser and a guy who you think is going to kind of fall down your board a little bit on the next iteration because even you know i I think you released the last one on january 12th even from that time to now which is only a few weeks, you know, things have, I feel like have, have shifted a little bit. So give one guy who you think is going to rise one guy who you think might fall a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go this week. I'm going to see Bryce Sensible tomorrow. Mm. Um, so I'm, I might move him up. I have to go see, um, but he was someone I really liked in, in, uh, AU and was curious about coming in the season. Like, I think I had him as a first rounder coming in and I'm happy that that's more or less borne out. Um, yeah, that's a great call. But I haven't seen him live since, you know, in, in a little bit. So I'm curious about that. Um, I'm also I'm gonna go see Baylor twice this week. Um, and I was I'm low on Georgia right now just because I saw him have a horrendous game at Marquette and it scared me a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but I, not, I'm not gonna give him, you know I'm gonna give him another chance. Like I'm not like writing him off, but I, I've been lower on him because I just I've seen like the what how bad it can be. Um, mm. But um, so I'm gonna go to Baylor, Arkansas on Saturday, and then Baylor plays Texas a couple of days later. So I'll go see those guys. But like. I think those are guys when I update in February who I have, you know, kind of in the teens where like, yeah, they actually could go up or they could go down. And it's, you know, uh, I try not to overjudge based on what I'm seeing when I'm there. Cause it's just one game. Yes. Like, and again, it goes back to like the mental component of like, you know, I've watched a lot of basketball. How do I really feel? Uh, and what's my opinion? And it's like, it's hard to really, you know, throw your opinion behind someone you're not confident in. So like, that's going to be a factor is, is, you know, sort of what I see um, on the road. Um, and I guess in terms of like lower guys who are, who might rise, I mean, like, I think Jalen Wilson keeps playing well. Like there's a chance he could go late first. Um, mm. Keontae Johnson is going to be an interesting one with his, you know, if there's a medical concern or not, um, yeah. stuff, you know, I don't know if that's going to get in the way. Um, but he's interesting. Um, and then I think, uh, what's another one? I, I just saw Baba Miller last week. Wasn't impressed. Um, mm. another like idea theory guy. Yeah, he's a, he seems like an idea to me and not a not a player I draft right now. Yeah, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's again, it's early for him, and he's coming in in the middle of a yeah a college season. So uh, if he came in and was lighting the world on fire right away, it would be one of those like oh shit type of players instead of like let's see what he can do. Right, but I also think, after I also think if he was uh, if he was lighting the world on fire, he'd be like playing for Real Madrid right now. Yeah, that's that's probably true yeah. as well. <laughs> probably true as well. All right, um, Jeremy, th- dude, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and chopping it up with Albert and I. Uh, please, uh, the floor is yours. Tell the people where they can find you um, on the internet, which you have, um, you know, decidedly uh, decided to stay away from. So you know, and all of your uh, shots that you take to yeah, on Jeremy, you know, he, he's going to avoid it. <laughs> The internet's toxic. Um, but my Twitter is it's just my name. It's just at Jeremy Wu. And uh, I tweet sparingly. It's either going to be an article or like a bad joke um, most of the time. <laughs> Which is, yeah, you know, there's a niche for that. So that's uh, like that's what a, Twitter was made for. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I just, I keep it to the, to the bare minimum. Uh, but uh, honestly, my life has been so much better not feeling like I have to like constantly being engaging in this, in arguments. So uh, not that I did that to begin with, but even thinking about it, <laughs> stresses me out. so I just, I stay off. That is the right approach. Um, everybody make sure you, you follow Jeremy, read his, his, uh, his work. It is uh, always uh, a worthwhile read. It's fantastic stuff. Uh, you can find me at Corey Tulliba. You can follow us at no ceiling NBA. Um, head to no ceilings, subscribe. It's free, completely free. You get stuff delivered to your inbox Monday through Friday. Uh, make sure you rate review, leave a comment, uh, share the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. All the good stuff. Um, thank you, everyone, again for for rocking with us. We will be back again next week uh, with another episode going deep on a prospect. Until that time, we out. Peace. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.